Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, the Vikings slip a little further back of the Detroit Lions, now at 1-4 and four after yesterday's loss to the Chiefs, 27-20. It looked like the game was there for the Vikings taking, and they just weren't able to do it. Uh, really unsettling how sloppy they looked. Yeah. Sloppy offensively, uh, passes too high, drop passes, uh, drop, drop screen passes, delayed game penalties, wasted timeouts, uh, slow getting the plays in. It, there were just a lot of unforced errors there. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. You, you can get beat by the Chiefs, but this felt like the, the Vikings – you know, deep into the second year of a regime with a veteran quarterback and talking all all season about the advantages of cohesiveness and having this group together and having Hawkins for a full year and having Addison in there. This is an offensive football team. It's an offensive pass first football team and they're not they're not crisp. They're not running the show the way they should. Um, and they did not give themselves much of a chance to win yesterday. So when the clock issues were happening and the play clock is running out and they're spending uh, timeouts, is that that's partially quarterback and head coach there, isn't it? It you would like the quarterback. Excuse me. Yep. You'd like the quarterback to take charge at some point there, kind of like the end of the Chargers game. Yeah. At some point, you'd like the veteran quarterback to say, "Okay, this is what we're doing." But the way the modern NFL works, it really does run through the coach, um, and the quarterback's waiting on the coach now. Again, 35-year-old veteran quarterback, you would like him at some point just to seize initiative, but that's really not the way it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to come from the head coach and be processed quickly enough that it that you're not taking delayed game penalties or wasting timeouts. Yeah. One of the other scary things, Justin Jefferson leaves in the second half, does not return uh, with what looked like a hamstring issue. Can you enlighten us at all? It is a hamstring, and they weren't did not sound very optimistic about it after the game last night. Mm. I have no idea how long he'll be out, but it, the way they were talking last night, they were not. They did not sound like they were optimistic about him being back for the Bears. Uh, and he has, it looked like he kind of skidded a little bit on the turf there at U.S. Bank, and then that caused an awkward step, which uh, caused the hamstring. Travis Kelsey, a similar thing. He kind of stepped awkwardly on the turf. It skidded and then stuck, and he rolled over his ankle, and he was out for a little while but did come back in. Do players talk about the playing on the turf fields uh, and want to go on grass? Is the U.S. Bank Stadium turf field a good one? Does it have a reputation at all? In general, this is considered to be one of the better artificial turf fields, mm-hmm. but still not as good as grass. Yeah. You know, it's still it's still artificial, um, and you know, I, really, players do not complain about this surface in particular. But every player would rather play in grass. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so they don't get off the hail mary at the end of the game. It's a small chance that that succeeds uh, uh, anyway in that situation, but. Gosh, I want Cousins to get the ball in the air. I know he was flushed a little bit, but it, it looked like he had time to throw it. It seems like a small play. The Madison drop uh, earlier in the in the ball game was was certainly more crucial. But uh, what happened? Did he just not see what was downfield? What went on? Do you think on that last play? He just felt like he needed to get set to be able to throw the ball yeah. with any authority in the end zone. And you know, listen, this is part part due to the fact Cousins is not a great natural athlete. He's yeah. a technician. He needs to set himself and throw. He's not somebody who can just sidearm it. You know, he's not Jeff George going to sling it sidearm 50 yards. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of who he is. He feels like he needs to be set to make that throw. 
Yeah, and wasn't able to get that done. So then Sackton game over in that situation. So one and four now. Um, I, there's got to be a little panic in the building at this point, I would think. There should be. Yeah. Um, and listen, if they win this week, there's still a theoretical path back to contention. Uh, not that they would beat the 49ers the following week, but then the schedule does get easier. But it's hard to start projecting wins during that soft part of the schedule the way they're playing right now. They're playing like they can't beat anybody. Um, and so if you're, if you're playing well and losing on flukes, you might feel a little bit better about it. This is just not a team that's playing well right now. They're, they're scoring 22 points a game. Um, this is supposed to be an offensive-driven team. The defense, we know the defense isn't very good. The defense was supposed to you know, help them win 30-23. to 23. Instead, they're losing, you know, they're losing low-scoring games because their offense can't control the ball, can't score enough points, can't produce in the red zone. They're starting slowly. They're not producing enough in the clutch. Uh, and part of this is coaching. Part of it is also they just made T.J. Hawkinson the highest-paid tight end in the NFL, and he's dropping passes. Yeah. Um, and some and they aren't easy catches, but when you pay somebody to be the best, you're paying them like he's the best tight end in the NFL, you'd like to see him make those marginal catches, and he's not doing it right now. With big money comes big responsibility. Uh, you've you've said yep. that before yourself in regards to various players and whether that's the Twins, the Timberwolves, uh, what have you, and that's the situation here. And and uh, you know. Madison, again, it looked like just a lapse in concentration, not securing the football before heading upfield. That was a touchdown, it looked like, if he makes that catch. At least a first down, maybe a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, there was certainly open space there. And, and <clears throat> listen, Cousins was not perfect. Cousins even said after the game, hey, I'm a little off on my passes. I was throwing the ball a little too high. It's bothering me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I'm not going to absolve Kirk, but there were enough catchable passes there that they could have scored enough points to win that game. And, and the drop screen pass, I mean, that that just shouldn't happen. No, really shouldn't. Wide open, nobody around him. Uh, all right, so the Vikes one and four. Uh, the Twins, though, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, they got the split in Houston. I mean, it would be hard to ask, you know, basically a, almost a bullpen game uh, in game one against Justin Verlander. Hard to ask for the win there. But they needed that one in game two if they were going to uh, present a legit challenge. And they trot out Pablo Lopez, who was dynamite. He was fantastic, right? and that's a championship lineup. It's a tough place to pitch. Uh, he had composure. He had stuff. He had movement. He had command. He pitched really intelligently. Um, just handles himself beautifully. And then you know they score enough runs. Correa, we're seeing October Correa, and it's in full force here. And now they come back, and you know game one, the Astros had a clear advantage. Game two, you would like to think the Twins had an advantage with Lopez going up against Valdez, and they seized on that advantage. Game three, Sonny Gray, one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, against. Uh, Javier at home. This should be an advantage for the Twins. Now, you know it's baseball. Who knows how that plays out? But but suddenly they're in, they're in very good shape here. No doubt. Who who gets the ball in Game Four for the Twins? It would have to be Joe Ryan. Mm-hmm. It'd have to be Joe Ryan. The only question is, do they go out there saying, "Okay, give us seven, or do they say, "Hey, just give it three or four, and we'll we'll fill in. It feels like a shorter start, though, doesn't it? Like it's going to be kind of like they handled Game One. Well, I think. They'll be prepared for it to be a shorter start, but you know they also will take him out if he's if he's cruising. You know, I mean, there's no reason to predetermine that start. Hmm. Uh, I think they will be prepared to take Joe Ryan out in the third or fourth if he shows signs of not being sharp. But you know, if he goes out there and cruises, that's fine. Yeah. 
Toronto predetermined it. I mean, Jose yep. Brios couldn't have been pitching better. Bad and idea. That kind of blew up on him. So, uh, so uh, Sonny Gray uh, tomorrow against uh, Christian Javier. They they have the advantage. Uh, certainly, it would seem like uh, in that situation. But but Houston isn't going to go quietly. And Carlos Correa, he's coming through at the biggest time. This is why they gave him the contract for the postseason more so than regular season, right? Well, you want both, yeah. obviously. But but he did, you know, he played through a plantar fasciitis. He showed a lot of leadership characteristics. He helped them get in the postseason. It wasn't a great season, but he got enough big hits to get them in the postseason. And this is where, yeah, he is shining. And I just looked up his regular season versus postseason stats. He takes a big, you know, the old Jeter line, or Jeter performed slightly better in the postseason than the regular season, but not much difference, and that's a great thing because you're facing better pitching and better competition, better defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, G- you know, Correa actually performs much better in the postseason than the regular season. That's a remarkable thing. And how do you do that? Well, you have to love the moment. You have to be able to, you have, to have composure under pressure. You probably also have to be a line drive hitter who uh, is willing to use the whole field and adapt to whatever the pitcher is doing to you. And you know, and and you know, it hit the ball some hard someplace, and that's what Cray's doing right now. Yeah, that's for sure. And then a terrific play to end the game defensively last yeah. night. And then look at the Baltimore Orioles. You know, uh, they trot out a couple of real young pitchers in Game One and Two, and the, and it didn't work for them. Uh, and they're down two games to under the Texas Rangers. So if the Twins can advance and Texas advances, the Twins have home field advantage then for the American League Championship Series. Correct as the higher seed. That would be, yes, that's true, and that would be amazing. Yeah, it sure would. What What do you make of Baltimore kind of getting blasted at home the first two games? I guess I'm just not shocked. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it was a magical regular season, and I, I'm glad to see it happen. I lived in Baltimore for a while, and I loved the Orioles when I was a kid, and it's a great story, but great stories don't always pan out in the postseason. You know, yeah. we've, seen, we've seen great teams absolutely flop in the postseason, so I guess I'm just not shocked that a young team hasn't been there uh, riding high, Here's the other thing: the Rangers are really good. Yeah, you know, we we saw the Twins playing the Rangers when the Rangers are at their worst. They're still a challenge. Seager is as good as anybody in baseball. Uh, they have high end talent. They built a powerhouse. They just went through a bad stretch, mm. but that's a good team. Yeah, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.